Welcome to this peer voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash DWX. This activity is supported by an educational grant from GSK Limited. Welcome to this peer voice activity on endometrial cancer. This activity comprises seven episodes presented by Professor Domenica LaRusso and Dr. Mansour Raza Mirza. Hello, everyone. I'm Domenica LaRusso. I'm a GYM oncologist working at Fondazione Policlinico Gemelli of Rome. And welcome to this activity on evaluating the evidence of immunotherapy in advanced or recurrent endometrial cancer. Currently, treatment options for patients with advanced or recurrent endometrial cancer remain very limited. The backbone of treatment is represented by carboplatin paclitaxel chemotherapy, but to date, there is no standard second-line therapy. Thereafter, novel and more active therapy are urgently needed for our patients. In this scenario, Immunotherapy with the checkpoint inhibitor is changing the standard of care in several solid tumors and endometrial cancer is not an exception. During the last 10 years, we finally discovered that endometrial cancer is not a single disease. There are not two tumors as we believe, but actually the TGCA program clearly define that endometrial cancer has at least four different tumors with completely different molecular profile, completely different prognosis, natural history of disease, and possibly treatment. And in particular, what we discover is that around 30% of endometrial cancer are linked to a genetic alteration called as microsatellite instability. This tumor presented elevated tumor infiltrated lymphocyte and pdl one expression and elevated TMB. And this is represent the rationale of using immunotherapy in this tumor. All the phase two trial reported in biomarker selected endometrial cancer selected according to microsatellite instability or MMR deficiency, response rate ranging between 30 and 57%. On the contrary, when we do not select tumor according to MSI, in MSS population, the response rate is quite low, around 10 to 15%. In particular, in K0158 trial, pembrolizumab at the flat dose of 200 mg every three weeks in a population of MSI high endometrial cancer tumor who have progressed after at least one standard platinum-based chemotherapy, the drug provided an outstanding response rate with the median overall survival not reached and the median duration of response not reached. An outstanding 26 months median PFS was reached in this population. The toxicity profile of the drug was quite good. 
around 65% of patients experience a treatment-related adverse event of any grade, but only 50% of patients experience grade 3 of I treatment-related adverse event. And in less than 10% of patients, this event were the cause of discontinuation of treatment. What are these adverse events? In most part of cases, fatigue, pruritis, diarrhea, and asthenia. Another interesting trial, the Garnet trial, evaluated the role of another PD-1 inhibitor, dostarlimab, in MSAI patients who have failed the one platinum-based treatment. In this population, around 45 percent response rate was reported and median duration of response was not reached. Of note, around 80 percent of patients were free of progression at 18 months from starting treatment. Also in this case, the toxicity profile was quite good. Around 63% of patients experience any grade treatment-related adverse event, but only 13% of these patients were grade 3 of higher adverse event. And again, in less than 10%, this was cause of discontinuation of treatment. In terms of adverse event, transaminases increase was the most frequently reported adverse event. Based on these results, pembrolizumab was approved by FDA for MSSI high population who have failed one prior platinum-based treatment, and dostarlimab has been approved by EMA and also FDA in the same setting. But very recently, the combination of pembrolizumab and TKI inhibitor lembatinib was approved by EMA and also FDA in the all-comer population. There is a strong rationale, in fact, in combining immunotherapy with the chemo, PARP inhibitor, anti-VEGF inhibitor and radiotherapy, and in particular, the combination of immunotherapy plus anti-VEGF has a strong rationale because the combo provides vasculature normalization, maturation of dendritic cell, antigen presentation, T-cell infiltration and truffling, and finally downregulation of PD-L1 expression. Based on this rationale, several trials have evaluated the combo of immunotherapy plus antiangiogenic agent in all the setting of advanced or recurrent endometrial site cancer. And in particular, K-Note 146 trial was a phase two single arm trial evaluating the combo of Pembro plus Lembatinib in advanced or recurrent endometrial cancer. The trial enrolled 108 patients combining MMRD, but also non-MMRD population. And the results were really, really interesting. The primary point of the trial was overall response rate at week 24, and around 37% of patients experienced 
overall response rate in non-MSI high population and 63 in MSI high population. The median PFS was 7.4 months in the non-MSI population and around 19 months in MSI population. And median overall survival was 16 months in the non-MSI population and not reached in MSI population. Based on these results, FDA approved this combo in non-MSI population. But more recently, the confirmatory randomized phase three trial was presented and the combo of Pembrol and Batinib was compared in advanced or recurrent endometrial cancer with physician choice chemotherapy between doxorubicin or weekly paclitaxel. The trial has a double primary endpoint, PFS and OS, and the trial was positive for both the endpoints and the significant increase in median PFS was reported in MMR proficient, but also all CAMER population. And the significant increase in overall survival was reported in all CAMER and also MMRP population. The trade-off of this combo may be represented by toxicity. 66% of patients experience at least one dose reduction due to treatment-related adverse events. And in around 33% of patients, these events led to dose discontinuation. The most frequently reported toxicity were hypertension, hypothyroidism, diarrhea, nausea, and decreased appetite and vomiting. And we have to start managing this new class of adverse event in a population of fragile patients as endometrial cancer. But luckily, this toxicity did not impact in the quality of life of our patient. There is also a strong rationale in combining immunotherapy with chemotherapy because chemo is able to induce immunogenic cell death release a new antigen, disrupting strategy that tumor use to evade immune recognition. And several trials are addressing the Pembro, Atezo, and Dostarlimab in combination with the platinum paclitaxel in advanced chemo-naive endometrial cancer patients. And lastly, there is also a strong rationale in combining immunotherapy plus PARP inhibitor and the two ongoing trials are evaluating the role of durvalumab and dostarlimab plus PARP inhibitor plus chemotherapy in the advanced setting. So there is an exciting moment to treat endometrial cancer. Thank you so much for your attention and I hope you will follow me in the next episode. Thank you so much. Welcome to the second episode of our series on mutation testing in endometrial cancer. After several years, we finally, after the publication of TGCA program, we realized that endometrial cancer are not two different tumors according to the old dualistic model, but at least four different tumors with different prognosis, different treatment, but also different molecular profiling. 
And in particular, we realized that um, all this tumor may present different molecular characteristics that actually should be integrated in the, the clinical classification of endometrial cancer. In particular, we can distinguish between four different tumors, the polymute tumor, which represents 8% of endometrial cancer. This tumor has a good prognosis and are typically linked to the mutation of the polygene. Then we have the MSI hypermutated tumor. This tumor presents an elevated TMB. They are 30% of endometrial cancer. They have high tumor infiltrated lymphocyte and high expression of PDL1. Then we have the MSSCOPY number low tumor. This tumor presents in most part hormonal receptor positive. They have no ITMB and they can present mutation in P10 and PI3K in up to 60% of tumor. And finally, we have the copy number high or serious-like tumor. These tumors are typically characterized by mutation in P53 and also in hyperexpression of RB2 in around 30% of tumor. And in particular, the MSI tumor presents an impairment of mismatch repair system. This mismatch repair system is a highly conserved mechanism used to restore the DNA integrity after the occurrence of mismatching errors, including single base mismatches or short insertion of deletion. There are four genes implicated in this, uh, in this uh, process, uh, which include MLH1, MSH2, MSH6, and PMS2. The tumor which present an impairment of these genes are what we call MSI tumor. I mean tumors that accumulate thousands of mutations, particularly clustered in microsatellite um, region, resulting in mismatch repair deficiency. These tumors are typically characterized by elevated tumor mutational barrier, neopitops load, elevated tumor infiltrated lymphocyte, and PDL, PLD expressions. This is why this tumor seems more prone to respond to immunotherapy. Treatment guidelines are beginning to incorporate recommendations for implementing a tumor biomarker in treatment decision. In particular, the status of MMRD can be detected by either NGS analysis for altered genes, but also with immunohistochemistry analysis for staining protein expression. And in particular, we address by immunohistochemistry for MMRD proteins, the MLH1, the PMS2, MSH2 and MSH6, and the NCCN guidelines reported that all these four proteins should be evaluated on the biopsies of DNC material or also on the final hysterectomy specimen. When we find 
MLH1 loss, we have to further evaluate the promoter methylation to assess if there is an epigenetic presence. The European guidelines report on the necessity to evaluate the MSI status. Our guidelines suggest that immunistochemistry should be the first test to choice and when immunistochemistry is positive, we can conclude this patient present microsatellite instability. Polymerase chain reaction is only requested in case of no clear immunistochemistry results. And then NGS is the second choice. Thank you for your attention. I think that the clear message is that actually my molecular biomarker should be integrated in the evaluation of endometrial cancer since the beginning of the natural history of disease. Please join me in the next episode with Mansur Mirza, who will present some very interesting patient cases that will help us in choosing treatment of our patients. Hello, my name is Mansoor Raza Mirza. I am from Copenhagen University Hospital and I'm going to discuss with you patient uh, with newly diagnosed uh, mismatch repair proficient advanced endometrial cancer. This patient uh, is 62 years old at, uh, at the time of diagnosis in December 19 and uh, she had a pre-op a PET CT scan which revealed intra-abdominal spread and paraortic nodal involvement. Uh, we performed upfront surgery with complete resection of disease and histological report uh, confirmed that it was endometrial cancer, serous adenocarcinoma, the biopsy showed a P53 mutation and uh, macrosatellite stable, that means mismatch repair uh, proficient and uh, estrogen receptor negative disease. And it's a FIGO stage four disease. Um, and uh, she was very well, uh, uh, well, as far as comorbidity is concerned with very well controlled hypertension and well controlled diabetes and uh, with the performance status of zero. So uh, the question is how you are going to treat such a patient. There are several options. The standard of care for this would be adjuvant carboplatin paclitaxel six cycles and there is level one evidence for that. Um, the last trial which was done as a non-inferiority trial uh, comparing carboplatin paclitaxel against the triplet um, regimen uh, showed uh, that carboplatin paclitaxel is equally good uh, and much less toxic. So, so this would be the standard of care. But we have other options available. For example, uh, Dr. Agajanian presented a trial uh, where uh, carboplatin paclitaxel and bevacizumab uh, was superior to other triplet regimen. Uh, however, there was no standard of care regimen in that. Uh, but with the, the comparing with the historical cohort, it showed beneficial. However, uh, the, this triplet is not approved by um, FDA or European Medicines Agency.
we will see results of NGOT EN5 uh, Ciendo trial very soon. There will be another possibility that is uh, to treat these patients with carboplatin paclitaxel. And at the end of uh, six courses, um, continue with maintenance therapy with Selenexor. It's a randomized phase three trial, a placebo controlled trial. So um, we will soon see the data of this trial. Another trial which is about to uh, re read out is uh, NGOTN6 uh, Ruby trial, where carboplatin, paclitaxel, uh, and dostaliman PD-1 inhibitor is, uh, is added. Uh, both concomitant and maintenance. <clears throat> so, so let's wait for the results of that trial as well. The third uh, very interesting trial, which have read out most probably as, as well this year, uh, would be pembrolizumab limvatinib being compared to conventional carboplatin paclitaxel. That's the LEAP-01 trial. And if that trial is positive, that will change the standard of care to pembrolizumab limvatinib and we will uh, delay the, the treatment with chemotherapy to a later response, uh, re later relapse. <clears throat> so this patient was treated with carboplatin paclitaxel, six cycles, because that is what standard of care is, but the, the, the landscape is changing so rapidly that during this year, we may have results of three phase three trials and if all three trials are positive, we all of a sudden have multiple options available for this patient. Thank you very much for joining me on this episode and stay tuned for the next one. I'm going to discuss with you a patient with newly diagnosed uh, mismatch repair deficient advanced endometrial cancer uh, case. And this is a patient who is 68 years old in 2019, diagnosed to have endometrial cancer. Pre-op PET-CT scan revealed parotic nodal spread. Um, we performed upfront surgery with complete resection. So histopathology revealed she had endometrioid adenocarcinoma, estrogen receptor positive, and P53 wild type. She was macrosatellite instable at MSI high. Um, so it was a case of FIGO stage 3C2 uh, um, MSI high. And she had uh, a very nice performance status and uh, very little comorbidity, very well controlled hypertension. Uh, what are your next steps? How are you going to treat such a patient? Uh, what would be your strategy? Uh, I think standard of care, there will be two options available. Either patient can receive adjuvant chemotherapy uh, six cycles with carboplatin and paclitaxel, or a patient could receive the same with the addition of adjuvant radiation therapy. There is a trial which has shown uh, equal effectiveness of both options, better local control if you add radiation therapy, however, at the cost of additional uh, toxicity. Uh, what other options may be available now or soon? Um, it could be that you can treat this patient with adjuvant carboplatin paclitaxel uh, plus minus radiation therapy and add pembrolizumab on top of that. This is MSI high patient. Um, there is a phase three trial ongoing uh, 
uh, randomizing patients, pembrolizumab or placebo, uh, we would probably have read out of that uh, trial not before 23 or even later. So that may change our standard of care uh, to uh, if it shows better overall survival and progression-free survival. Another very interesting trial, which is ongoing, which may influence our decision-making, um, is a trial where patients are being uh, given carboplatin paclitaxel or being randomized to pembrolizumab alone. Remember, this is MSI high disease, and we have seen uh, quite impressive efficacy of PD ones uh, and PDL ones in this 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 type of tumors. So, uh, if that trial shows superiority of pembrolizumab alone, that will be a revolution for our patients because then patients will not be receiving any adjuvant chemotherapy but just pembrolizumab. I think that would that would uh, be a very uh, um, uh, atoxic uh, combination uh, regimen. Uh, and we can save carboplatin paclitaxel for the relapse of the disease. So, uh, as you can see, the landscape of uh, treatment of this disease is changing, and we probably, within the few years, will see different, different options available for these patients. I thank you for joining me for this episode, and uh, please stay tuned to the next one. And what I'm going to discuss today is a patient with recurrent uh, endometrial cancer who was mismatch repair proficient and patient had relapsed. Uh, it was a past platinum-based chemotherapy patient. So this is a 62 years old lady, 2019, was diagnosed of endometrial cancer. We performed PET-CT scan, revealed intra-abdominal spread and paraortic nodal involvement. Um, the afferent surgery was performed with complete uh, macroscopic resection uh, and histopathology revealed that patient had endometrial cancer, serous adenocarcinoma, and it was P53 mutated. Uh, patient was MSS, microsatellite stable, and estrogen receptor negative. So, uh, FIGO stage 4 disease, and she, ha she had very little comorbidity, good shape, well-controlled hypertension, well-controlled diabetes, and uh, very well performance status. We gave this patient standard of care, which is adjuvant carboplatin and paclitaxel, six cycles, uh, and she did quite well for some time. Unfortunately, already in December 2020, uh, we revealed uh, metastasis in the lung uh, after five months of treatment-free interval. Uh, at that time, her uh, performance status was still very good, zero, and we had to go further with the, with the uh, treatment. So how are you going to uh, treat this patient? There will be several options. This patient has progressed shortly after carboplatin paclitaxel adjuvant therapy. So either you would be giving conventional chemotherapy. In that case, uh, the only choices will be monochemotherapy, eventually bevacizumab. Uh, so the, the known options would be weekly paclitaxel uh, or uh, doxorubicin. And, but we know that the 
response to these treatments is very uh, short um, and very low. We have seen that the, normally the median precursion-free survival is about three to four months if you treat these patients with weekly paclitaxel or doxorubicin. Um, other options could be lymphatinib and pembrolizumab. Remember, this is macrosatellite-stable disease, and we have uh, two uh, trials. One was the phase two trial with over 100 patients, but the Keynote 775 trial randomized patients to lymphatinib and pembrolizumab against a standard of care chemotherapy, which was either weekly paclitaxel or doxorubicin. That trial showed that there was a clinically a significant benefit as far as the responses are confirmed, progression-free survival is confirmed, and um, the overall survival is concerned. Uh, however, one has to learn to treat patients with lymphatinib and pembrolizumab due to the toxicity profile. The single-agent pembrolizumab or dostalimab will not be a good option for patients with MSS uh, because the response rates remains uh, only modest. So for this patient, the best option will be with lymphatinib and pembrolizumab. As I said, there is a considerable toxicity uh, related to this combination, uh, and this patient had to pause lymphatinib uh, after 14 days. She started in 20 milligram dose. Uh, we paused her after two weeks because of diarrhea. Lymphatinib was resumed a week later uh, with a dose reduction of 14 milligrams daily and she continues to be on 14 milligrams daily now 12 months uh, post uh, start of therapy and she has a complete response uh, evaluated on CT scans. So that tells us that this combination is very effective. However, you have to be proactive uh, when you start the treatment to take care of the patients, you have to learn and be proactive and explain the patient uh, that they should be contacting you with the minimal uh, apparent toxicity because they are at home. Thank you very much and stay tuned for the next uh, episode. And I'm going to discuss with you a patient with recurrent endometrial cancer with mismatch repair deficient disease and this patient had progressed on prior uh, platinum-based combination chemotherapy. So this is a 68-year-old lady who was diagnosed in uh, June 2019 uh, to have endometrial cancer. We did a pre-op PET-CT which revealed paraortic nodal spread and patient went for uh, off-front surgery with complete resection. Uh, and histopathology revealed that patient had endometrioid adenocarcinoma, which was estrogen receptor positive, P53 wild type, uh, and mismatch repair deficient MSI high disease. Uh, patient had thus FIGO stage 3C2 disease, and she had wonderful performance status and only well-controlled hypertension as comorbidity. Uh, we treated this patient with six cycles of carboplatin paclitaxel with radiation therapy. Radiation therapy is given in our center as sandwich regimen. So three cycles of chemo, then radiation therapy, and three cycles of chemo. Uh, she uh, unfortunately relapsed in March 2021 uh, with liver metastasis. 
with a very well performing status at that time. So what would be your strategy for this patient? She is estrogen receptor positive, she is P53 wild type, MSI high, and she has relapsed with liver metastasis. Um, so there, there are few options available. Either you can uh, treat this patient with endocrine therapy with megastrol acetate uh, alone, or a combination of pelvocyclib and letrozole. However, uh, the paleo trial, which uh, I presented a couple of years ago, was a phase two randomized trial, and we still need phase three evaluation of combination of CDK4-6 inhibitors with letrozole or other uh, hormonal therapies. So um, that's um, not level one evidence. Another option is the rechallenging carboplatin paclitaxel, which is a very valid option. Uh, patient had a long uh, treatment-free interval. Um, the third option, which probably is very uh, interesting, is um, giving patients single-agent uh, checkpoint inhibitor, uh, PD-1, uh, either dostalimab, uh, according to the Garnet study uh, results, or pembrolizumab, according to the pembrolizumab study results. Also, patients will have uh, quite uh, controlled toxicity profile. Uh, we, the re-challenge of paclitaxel and carboplatin can then be uh, delayed till patient uh, once progress on immune therapy alone. So what we did was patient received uh, uh, dostalimab as single agent therapy. However, after eight months, she progressed um, and we decided not to give carboplatin paclitaxel even at that time and treated this patient with uh, letrozole and she's still on letrozole and has not progressed and hopefully um, uh, she will stay on letrozole for, for a while. Um, at progression, uh, an option, definite option can be uh, going back to the platinum doublet of carboplatin and paclitaxel. So I think uh, we have more and more uh, uh, targeted agents available in our armamentarium, and then we are we are we are actually moving ahead to uh, uh, to increase the progression-free survival of our patients. Patients are living longer with these new agents. Um, I think that we are living in a very uh, not interesting era where we are every year uh, changing standard of care of our patients. So thank you for very much for joining me for this case. Um, and uh, I will be happy to have you join the uh, next episode with my good friend Keta LaRusso. Thank you. Welcome to this last episode with the title of Tying It All Together. So what are the practical guidelines for improving management of advanced or recurrent endometrial cancer? We are very lucky because we are living an unprecedented moment in endometrial cancer treatment and clinical research. After the publication of TGCA in 2013, we discovered that endometrial cancer had at least four different tumors with different molecular profiling. And actually, we can choose the best treatment for each of these molecular profiling. Based on this, we discovered that around 30% of endometrial cancer present the microsatellite instability, 
these tumors are more prone to respond to immunotherapy and in fact, pembrolizumab and dostarlimab has been approved for MSI high tumor who have failed at least one previous line of chemotherapy with platinum. And more recently, the combination of Pembro plus Lembatinib has been approved for the all comers endometrial cancer, regardless MMRD um, or MMRP feature. But uh, it is not the end of the history, because in the coming years, uh, we will have a very interesting research assessing the combination of Pembro plus Lembatinib with respect to platinum-based chemotherapy in the first-line advanced setting, but we will have very interesting results of trial assessing the combo of immuno plus chemo or immuno plus PARP inhibitor and chemo in the first-line advanced setting of endometrial cancer. But until now, we have talked about advanced or recurrent disease. What's new at the horizon? Um, the TGCA program, um, which revealed that uh, we have at least uh, four different endometrial, endometrial cancer, also support uh, new information in terms of uh, treatment option for this tumor. And in particular, polymute tumor, which represents 8% of endometrial cancer, seems to have a very good prognosis, and probably this tumor do not require any kind of treatment after surgery, even when diagnosed in advanced disease. On the contrary, P53 mute tumor present a very dismal prognosis. These tumors are those who gain most benefit from chemotherapy, but possibly in the future, they will gain more benefit by the combo of chemo plus PARP, because this tumor present instability and HRD deficiency. The MMRD population are the tumor who still gain benefit from immunotherapy in the advanced or recurrent disease, but why not to move immunotherapy in the adumum setting of this tumor? And finally, the non-specific molecular profile endometrial cancer, which represents roughly 40% of endometrial cancer, seems to gain a lot of benefit from hormonal treatment because they are particularly enriched for hormone receptor positive tumor. All this information that, that we now can apply to the advanced disease should be moved in adjuvant setting. And the rainbow program is probably the most interesting trial ongoing in this moment. This trial is a huge program trying to refining the adjuvant treatment in endometrial cancer patients based on the molecular profile. In this trial, all endometrial cancer patients of all histologic subtypes will receive molecular classification and then will be clustered in four different trials according to the molecular profile. And in particular, P53 mute tumor will be randomized to receive chemo plus radiation, plus or minus two years of maintenance treatment with PARP inhibitor. MMRD stage 2-3 disease will be randomized to receive radiation treatment 
plasomimus one-year maintenance treatment with the PD-1 inhibitor. NSMP stage 2-3 patient will be randomized to receive radiation treatment plus or minus maintenance with hormonal therapy. And finally, the polymute tumor, whichever the stage, will not receive any kind of adjuvant treatment. And this represents a huge revolution in the vision we have for endometrial cancer treatment. So I think we are really lucky. This is an unprecedented moment in endometrial cancer. We will change the history of this disease. Endometrial cancer is not a single disease, but at least four different tumors with the different prognosis and treatment. The implementation of molecular classification is a mainstay in endometrial cancer prognosis as treatment and actually all the clinical guidelines report on this necessity. Molecular-driven treatment is the new strategy in endometrial cancer, either in the adjuvant, but also in the advanced setting of disease. Endometrial cancer with the microsatellite instability high are the best target for immunotherapy. The combination of immune checkpoint inhibitor blockade with the antiangiogenic tyrosine kinases inhibitor strategy is effective in MSS, but also all-camer endometrial cancer. P53 mute tumor requires chemotherapy and in the future also PARP inhibitor, possibly, according to the ongoing trial. Polymute tumor probably will not require any kind of adjuvant treatment after surgery. In addition to MMRD, we have other potential candidate biomarker for driving treatment in the future, for instance, R2 or FGFR. And finally, the next future is represented by a new drug, which is Selinexo, an oral selective inhibitor of nuclear export protein XPO1, which causes the accumulation of tumor suppressor protein. And these results are under evaluation. And if these results are positive, we will have another additional strategy in endometrial cancer. So a very, a very interesting landscape for the treatment of this tumor that uh, until few years ago, uh, no treatment with the exception of carbopatin pacritaxel chemotherapy. And thank you so much for your attention. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.